0: Good morning. It's certainly good to see all of you again. Melissa and I have truly missed being here. And I'm sorry that Melissa couldn't sing this morning. She was looking so much forward to it. Uh, She came down with a pretty bad cold here right after we got in. And so everything had to be put off there. And somehow the Lord protected me from that, so... But it's certainly good to be back in the midst of those who we've spent many years here. And I was uh, surprised when uh, Brother Josh walked in and the family, (laughs) and I didn't expect them to be here. And I think I saw another preacher here somewhere, too. I think I saw Ron Latini around, (laughs) so I may have been mistaken. But anyway... I want to share with you a little bit uh, this morning about what what we've been up to and since we got there and uh, I had a bunch of trees cut down that were encroaching onto the house and spent several months trying to cut them up and split them and stack them and restack them at times when they fell down and, <laughs> and just not knowing how to do those kind of things and fixing things and uh, just... Uh, One thing I learned real quick when you drive up there in the foothills, you can't take your eye off the road one second because there's not a straight road in that place anywhere. I mean, it goes this way and this way and up and over and over, and then you you get right off that road real quick if you don't stay on your toes on that thing. And uh, the only thing that you still have a little bit straight is the interstate, but it still has its curves and hills and and everything else. So um, the fall colors were... Uh, it's been the second year we've been there for the fall colors. This year was really pretty. The only thing is it leaves a real mess when the leaves start falling. And I've already hauled off seven truckloads full of leaves already. So I tell you, it's working me silly. And uh, helping my father-in-law with his old cars. He's, still, he's 94 now and still turning wrenches, working on old cars that he loves to do. And, uh, and helping uh, uh, with... with uh, The local church that we go to, and um, I've been uh, asked and been leading what they call grief share uh, uh, teaching for 13 weeks, and it's uh, a module or DVD supported type of teaching, and I'm a backup teacher for the Sunday school class. And um, Melissa, of course, you imagine she got involved a little bit with the children's choir. Can you imagine that? But anyway, <laughs> she's, she's not leading it and, uh, but she's helping out. So she's doing her part there. So we, and of all things, our brother-in-law got us sucked into cooking one meal a month. Would you believe that for a hundred people? <laughs> and we're doing soupy chili every Wednesday, one Wednesday a month. And that's out of my element. So I'm being challenged on that one. But anyway, and recently I got to go on an honor flight. And you know what those are, and I left from uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and went to Washington D.C. Right after the storm was actually going off the coast, <laughs> Ian, <laughs> and so we had some pretty bad weather to deal with. wasn't too bad though, so I'm thankful for that. But I want to share a little bit this morning, and I understand Brother Taylor's going off this afternoon, and he's going to go to Montgomery, and go in the Coast Guard. Give him a But uh, I don't want to scare him this morning, but uh, my experience is probably a lot different than what they experienced today. But I wanted to share a little bit about when I went into the Army. I was a kind of a hard-learned student, and I actually came to Pensacola Junior College at that time, right here, because I grew up in Fort Walton. And I had a professor there that kind of convinced me that I wasn't going to pass his class. And he said, have you got anything else better to do? And so I dropped his class and lost my draft deferment in a sense, because they were drafting people all the time, and I didn't want to go being in the infantry. So I got a guaranteed school, and I I went to Montgomery. And uh, after I delayed a little while and finished out my my college uh, semester, and on January the twenty fourth of sixty nine, I was in Montgomery. And, of course, they you just show up with just the clothes on, and that's it. And they put you in this room with some other guys, and we hold up our hands. And we pledge to support the Constitution and defend our country. And after we pledged, they walked us out of this room, and then everything broke loose. They started yelling at us and telling us what to do, picking this up, moving that taking out this garbage can and, and finally assign you a, a bunk, lights out about 8 or 9 o'clock, I can't remember which, just to roust us out at 3 o'clock in the morning, put us on this bus, pitch black, dark night, and we're riding down through the country. Nowhere, I don't even really know where I'm going, what I'm doing, and I'm beginning to think to myself, what have I done? And I think some of the guys here that have been in service know what I'm talking about. And some of you that may not know what, what you really go through. Well, we arrived at this place, and they uh, put us through a, 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 a series of things where you got your uniforms, your bedding, your, everything that you need for the next eight weeks, and it stacked up this high, and then you were threatened not to drop anything, you know. Or you were in deep trouble. And you get on this bus, and they drive you some more to a barracks, Show you how to make up your bed and do other things. And uh, and if you didn't make up your bed right, they'd just throw it right out on the floor. And make you do it over again. And, of course, you know, one of the first things they do is march you by the barbershop. You know, I kind of want them to take a little off the ears. But, uh, you know, zzz, everything was off. About 30 seconds. And that's unnerving, I want to tell you. It is really unnerving. And... Uh, and so here you're standing out in the cold. This is January with no hair on your head. Never felt that before. And it just kind of, you know, shocks you. And all this process of the boot camp experience, marching, drilling, combat training, or whatever it's called, hand-to-hand combat, uh, physical training, marching some more, running to the mess hall, and you had to learn to eat fast. Because once the tables got full, that in the mess hall, they come to the first table and tell you're up and you're going to put your tray up and you're still eating your food while you're going to put your tray up because it was that fast. And it was, um, never walked anywhere. You always had to run. And of course you lost all liberties the first about six weeks. And finally about the last two weeks you could get off and go do something on your own. But it was just a, a process to make you from who you were as a person that made up your own mind and what you wanted to do till you do what they want you to do, when they want you to do it, and follow orders, not asking questions. And the purpose for that was, if you were a bunch of guys who went into combat and didn't want to follow orders, you might get yourself killed. And so, um, here was a situation where, you know, for those times in the military... You were told where to go, when to report, how, what you were going to do, and so yet you followed those rules, and you still had some leeway as you worked yourself through this process in in your own life. But I want to tie that into our text this morning. Jesus was traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem, in Luke nine fifty one. And the first part of this, he was rejected by the Samaritans. And as we read this passage in Luke 9:51, uh, we see that when the days drew near from him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of, of Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because the face was set toward Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this they said, "Lord, do we want to call or, or or to tell fire to come down from heaven consume them?" But he turned them turned to them and rebuked them and then they went on to another village. Let's pray a minute. Father God, thank you so much for all that you have done and in each of our lives, blessing us this day, watching over us and helping us. And now as we look into these passages and some following, that you would speak to our hearts and help us as we uh, seek your face and ask for you to touch our hearts and help us to draw closer to you during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back in those days when... Um, Solomon was king. After his death, the the nation of Israel broke into two parts. And what had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And what happened to the northern kingdom is that the the king there, Rohoboam, or Jeroboam, he decided that he didn't want some of the people, which they were doing, by the way, going from the northern kingdom to the southern kingdom because they wanted to be uh, with those that were following God more truly and worshiping in Jerusalem. And so he set up two places of worship in Bethel, Bethel and Dan. And the, what he did is he made golden calves and said, this is our God now. And this, our God has delivered us and this is where you're going to worship. Trying to stop the people from going to Jerusalem. So that's the background into all of this. And then he... he um, as the Galileans and Jesus and his party may have been more than just the disciples were coming to, going through Samaria to Jerusalem. This is why they they rejected him so much. It's because it was kind of like a slap in the face to them. We don't want to stop and worship in, in Bethel or Dan. We want to go to Jerusalem. And what you're doing is not correct. Because over time what happened when the when the North northern kingdom fell... To Assyria, the Assyrians took off the big portion of the Jewish people and um, and replaced them with other people of other nations. And so they became intermingled with these other nations. And so uh, the Samaritans in this area were looked down upon because they weren't true, um, you know, Israelites, because they intermarried with other people. And so here they had a kind of a black mark against them, and they were looked down upon. And so they were going to make it rough for those that came from Galilee into Jerusalem to go to the holy days. And so Jesus was kind of rebuked or re- refused, or, and uh, they did not receive him. And, of course, I guess this is why John, James and John became to be known sons of thunder, as they wanted to call down fire. Can you imagine that saying, well, if you don't want to do, you know, follow the Lord, we'll just zap you. (laughs) How would you like someone to come witness to you like that? (laughs) And uh, so here is the situation where Jesus wanted to show them this is not the way you deal with, with rejection. You still love them. You still care for them. You still pray for them. You still want to see them come to know me as their Lord and Savior, as Jesus would say. And later on, after the crucifixion and resurrection, they did take the gospel back to Samaritans. And many of them became believers in Christ. And so the gospel is for all people, not depending on their background and what is taking place and what they have experienced. It's, it's the thing that we're all born into this world and we all fail God and we all need our Lord Jesus Christ to save every person and we need to treat people no matter what their backgrounds and what their situation that we would um, be those people that God would want us to be and to be obedient to Him. The second part of this passage or this um, reading is found in the verses 57 through 62 and we'll take these just a couple at a time. So Jesus dealt with three types of faulty commitments. Now this sounds pretty harsh. But I want to explain what was really intended here. As far as I understand it. Now as they were going along the road in verse 57. Some said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests. But the son of man... Has nowhere to lay his head. This is a situation about those who fail to count the cost. Now, I believe that there's people that come down to the front and they, and they make their decision for Christ during the invitation and they pray to receive Christ in their life and they start out on the path and journey of wanting to honor and serve the Lord and yet they haven't really understood the cost that it may cost them and that they may have to pay to serve the Lord. And sometimes they have a misconception about God. I was leading this grief-share group, and one, one of the examples illustrated was this lady who lost a son or a daughter, I can't remember which, and she was just taken back by that. She thought, if I just attended church and, and lived for the Lord as best I could, that nothing but good would happen to me. And when my child died, I thought, God must not be a loving God. He must not really care about me. I must be wrong about Him. And she kind of walked back her faith and didn't honor God with her life for a while. And then she began to realize, and she was really talking about this grief-share program, which is a good ministry, that God really does love her. And yes, there are going to be difficult things happen. There are going to be hardships in life. And there are going to be times when you wonder, what is God up to? Why does this have to happen now? Or why is it taking place? Couldn't God protect me from that? Couldn't he protect my loved one? And, you know, I served 13 years in a hospital. And, you've, and a hospital is full of people that are sick and have problems and have accidents. And you say, why, God? Why does people have to go through all these hard things and deal with all of this? But that we understand that we live in this world with all of its problems and difficulties and all of its sickness and all of its issues. And God wants us to reach out and draw close to Him and to remain faithful and serve Him no matter what by faith because He's got the bigger plan that we don't even understand. He knows what is needed for us to to be His servants and to grow in our faith and to understand Him. So, this first guy didn't really count the cost, I don't think. Now, it doesn't say whether he joined Him or not, he could have. And yet, you know, in a way it lends to the idea that he thought maybe if I just followed Jesus, I would have it easy. Maybe there's someone here today that found out that it wasn't easy. And maybe you're questioning what God's doing in your life. And so, we must also, you know, when I grew up and I what I wanted to share a little bit about too in a little bit, but I didn't understand a lot about the cost of serving the Lord. Let's look at the second guy here. In verses 59 or, uh, yeah, fifty-nine and 60. To another he said, follow me. Now Jesus called him now. But he said, Lord let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as, the, and as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, I know that sounds pretty harsh. But if you understand Jewish culture, burying their parents was one of the highest honors for the Jewish person. This was the highest part of what they were expected to do. It overcame any type of worship in, in the synagogue. It overcame any holidays. Holy Holidays, it came over a lot of many things that came over top of all of that. This was the highest mark for a Jewish person was to honor their parents by giving them a proper burial. But what Jesus was trying to say to him, my calling is above that. My calling is more important than earthly responsibilities my calling is for you to take the gospel message now because I'm heading to die for all of the world's sins and rise again so that the whole world can experience salvation. They need to have the gospel message and we don't need for you to wait or to think that it's not, this is not as important. This is more important than what your culture says is as important. And so Jesus is saying... Calling, my salvation, my calling upon your life, is the most important thing in life, and we're to listen to him and understand. This is our our main goal in life is to honor him and let him work through us and help us to be those people he wants us to be. And the third person is similar to this, but who those who are. Wanting to hold on to the past. And so he said in verse 61, yet another said, I will follow the Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow, looks back, is fitting for the kingdom of God. And so this happens a lot of times with people's commitment. You know, I've I've seen people make a commitment and two, three months they're really on fire for the Lord and then all of a sudden they seem to kind of fade away a little bit and then next thing you know, they're not even in church anymore. Or they just don't grow in their faith and they just kind of, you know, what we call warm the pew a little bit, you know, once in a while and kind of appease God. They don't know the, the actual cost of serving the Lord, or, and they, they, they tend to go back to the old way of living. And sometimes they desire to be, you know, have their way in the back and, uh, in the past, and, and yet trying to serve the Lord, and they're trying to what we call straddle the fence. And it's, it's just, you can, don't have really any joy and peace with that kind of commitment. And the Lord has so much He wants to do through your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. And He wants to use you. And yet it doesn't mean that everything's going to be really easy along the way. There's going to be hardships. But if we remain faithful, He will bless us. And so, if that this fellow had gone home, even matter of fact, and had gone, uh, to, to say farewell to his people. Jesus had been another day down the road to Jerusalem. He wanted him to come and follow him. And if he wanted to commit himself to him. Go at that moment and follow him. So I was thinking about how our foreign missionaries went out. And this is my thought maybe more in point two as well. Is that here you think about the missionaries that went off seas years ago. They had to travel by ship, and they went out into other areas around the world, and they probably couldn't get information about anything that took place for a couple of weeks or more. And if someone had bought, passed in their in their um, uh, family, they probably wouldn't find out about it until after the the funeral service had taken place and many weeks removed and of course different today with all of our internet and speedy travel of places people can make it back home but here people have made commitments and to, to serve the Lord and put him first in their life and I believe this is what Jesus was really talking about here and emphasizing not that he wanted to be cruel but he would just be in matter of fact if you're going to follow me follow me and the three men had different perspectives and, and about doing the, the God's purpose and plan for their life. So, he's talking about the urgency of service. We live in a day when we don't know when the Lord's going to return. You know, it may just be this afternoon. It may be tomorrow. It may be next week. And maybe that person that you're concerned about needs to know the Lord, needs to hear from you soon. We look around at our world and we see that things are playing out like they are in Scripture and prophesied. We need to be preparing ourselves for that day. And as a young boy, I think I've shared this with you and previously, that I was just a young boy, and of course the way it's supposed to take place is that you know, we lead children to the Lord and we grow them in their faith and we help them to understand what it is to honor and serve the Lord. But I don't know where I was when I grew up and I was out to lunch, I think, or something. I came to church. I kind of ignored the messages and, and um, I just wanted, was thinking while I'm sitting there in the pew, what am I going to do this afternoon? What am I? I just, what, you know, I've got my plans. I want to do this and I'm going to do that. And I really didn't pay attention and when I got off off into college and seminary and even in the military, I didn't pay God hardly much attention and those are the days when I should have been growing in my faith and there might be a young person here right now in this in this uh, uh sanctuary that has just has made that commitment but just hasn't moved forward in their understanding of what God expects of them and what God wants to do through them and so Maybe you can understand that God has his best for you and he wants what's best for you. And as I I grew up in uh, uh, or finally got into this Christian college after my service, uh, I began to understand a little bit more about what God wanted for my life. And until that time, I could say I was missing in action. And like that old military term. I was missing in action. And I don't know if there's someone here today that's missing in action. They're, they're attending and doing things, but they're just not doing God's work. And they're kind of keeping on the outskirts of what God would have for them to do. It was not until I completed that time in the army and got into that Christian college that it finally began to open up my eyes. And I began to see that it was a daily surrendering of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, the Lord began to work in my life. I began to read the scripture, and I just like I couldn't get enough. It was just like drinking water out of a spigot. And I kept kept reading and kept understanding and kept sensing God working through my life, growing me in my faith, and then eventually calling me into a ministry that He wanted me to go. And it was tough because I wasn't a well learned student. I I had a hard time with subjects and remembering things. And so, you know, I I don't think I was one of the greatest, you know, I'm not a a great preacher or a great teacher, but I made myself available to the Lord. If He wanted me to do it, He would help me. And some God God, may be asking you to do something, and you don't feel uh, like you're qualified to do it. Well, the Lord can work through you and grow you, to the place where you can do it. And um, so we put a lot of restrictions on ourselves and hesitations. But He will bless you if you just surrender yourself to Him. And I know it's scary. You say, well, what is He, he going to make me a missionary? Is, is He going to send me around the world somewhere? But you know, sometimes the Lord just wants you to surrender yourself to him. He wants to surrender your home to him, your car to him, your it, it, your business to him, your employment to him. Sometimes, you know, it's his, it's his anyway. And sometimes he wants us just to be willing to say, here it is, Lord. And he said, oh, good. Now you can have it back. I just want you to, to be obedient to me and put everything in your life first in, in your life. And so... The spiritual victory can only be won <clears throat> with here in this church, in any church, with a great army of God. There's probably many that are, I know there's many right here in this church that are in the trenches. They're serving faithfully. They're working and they're serving God and they probably would tell you they wouldn't trade it for the world. It takes discipline, it takes encouragement to, and for themselves and, and, and to, to keep serving at times, you know. Because sometimes you do so much that you might get weary in the, in the well-doing, but the Lord encourages us not to get weary. But sometimes we need to have a little more folks to stand in the gap with us and get in the trenches with us and to, to work and stop being missing in action. And get busy doing what God has called you to do. So I wonder how someone would react. I'm being hypothetical here. That if at the time someone came down to make a decision. And they prayed to receive Christ. That we would get them to stand there and hold up their right hand and say. I surrender my life to the Lord. I will obey him and follow him. No matter where he calls me to go. Or what he calls me to do. To take the gospel to those around the world or right in my own backyard you know something to that order i wonder what that would look like or feel like or would it drive drive the point home that that's really what we're supposed to be doing anyway because sometimes i think we we uh don't help people to count the cost when they first come we we see people in china and we see people in afghanistan and uh, iraq and that have given their lives to the Lord. I hear testimonies or stories about uh, there are people coming to know the Lord in these countries under great persecution, that they get put out of their homes, away from their families. They get considered not even part of the family anymore. They get rejected. And yet they're coming to know the Lord because they're finding salvation and peace and contentment in their life. And they serve them with even threat of 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 their own life and we have it good here in our country so far if we don't lose it in the days ahead that we have the ability to listen to God and to go out and do His ministry without a whole lot of persecution we may have some we may have difficulties we may it may cost a price but we need to be those people to stand up for Him and to work for Him and to honor Him with our lives. But in essence, it is that Jesus expects that of us. I have faithfully, like I said, tried to serve the Lord for over 40 years. And like Paul, I find myself saying, I I do the wrong things at times, even though I want to do the right things. What he said there in, in Romans 7 21 through 25 he wrestles with doing the right and finds himself doing the wrong thing and it is a wrestle it is never it never stops our old human nature wants to say ah oh, you don't want to do that and you want to just sit here in front of the tv and enjoy things a little bit and and have you know all these toys as i call them you know um Some people think that if they have the more toys, they succeed. You know, having motorcycles and boats and cars. All those things are okay in moderation, I think. But the more things you own, the more things it takes you away from doing what God has to do. Because you've got to maintain all that. And you've got to keep it up. And so, sometimes I think we create our own problem. And with our own human nature. And the materialism that's so prevalent around us that we put so much up in priorities in our lives to seem successful when we forget the only person we've got to be successful to is our Lord Jesus Christ. All this stuff doesn't matter. We can't take it to heaven with us one day. It's all immaterial. It's not how we appear to be. It's who we are in Christ that matters and what we're doing for Him. And so this passage is... In Philippians three, twelve through fourteen, is the one I hang on to every day. And not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to mark my uh, to to press on to the to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do: forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize, uh, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're sitting in your living room right here, those on the internet. You have spent many... Uh, we've come through this time of the virus and the COVID, COVID-19. And maybe you've gotten comfortable where you are. And you're, you know, it's, it's kind of tempting just to sit around in your night clothes and watch it on TV. And yet you're missing in action. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching online today and you've been kind of hanging out and not doing what God asked you to do. And being a part of the great fellowship here or other church that God calls you to. Maybe now is the time to say, I need to get back and do what God's asked me to do. And serve alongside with other people and other Christians and doing the ministry. Because I know there are people in the trenches here. But we need more workers because the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. We need to put more people into the harvest, preparing for that day when the Lord returns that we'll see more go to be with the Lord than to be condemned because we're complacent. Brothers, I do not consider that I've achieved it, just like Paul said. I keep fighting to, for the prize, for the upper call of God. And may we soldier on as good Christians to take the oath to follow the Lord. I will follow you, Lord. There are soldiers today, and I see Taylor going off. He's going to make a great uh, servant of our country and, and of the Lord too. Uh, and that he will follow, go out, and do And there's many soldiers that go out in years past in combat and still probably will in the days ahead. And they might lose their lives there because they took an oath to serve our country. They gave their lives so we could remain free. And Jesus was headed to Jerusalem to die there. And he did. He went and was tortured so severely as part of God's plan and put on a cross and he died and was buried and rose again on the 3rd day so that we could be people who were forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness so that we could live in victory and honor in our Lord Jesus Christ won't you join the the your life to him today and surrender your life to him And I hope that you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would accept Him as your Lord and Savior today. Let's pray together. And I want to ask those that do not know the Lord Jesus, that if you sense the Lord calling you to action and to serving Him and to surrendering your life to Him, just pray a prayer saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me, for I have sinned. Forgive me for the things I have done wrong. And come and live within my life. Forgiving, forgiving me and showing me the way to live for You. And help me to be that servant You want me to be the rest of my life. And then there's might be other of those here that have said, I've been sitting out on the, on the edges and not really getting involved. I've been missing in action. And I pray, Father, that You will... Help them to say, today, that's going to change. I want to come and commit my life afresh and anew to you. And to get on the right track. And ask you to use me and help me to be your servant every day. And that I would have the joy of my salvation. And and knowing that you're using me and have great purpose in your army of Christians who will be obedient to you. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing now in this time. And may you win the victories in people's lives and hearts.